0: Hello and welcome to the Waffle Zone. I am your host, Uncle Steve, and this is my Waffle Zone. I was a little jealous. A couple weeks ago, a couple of guys got to record their own Waffle Zones. Eric and uh, DJ, no, uh, prehistoric, no, uh, Dino. Yeah, Dino. Oh, Dino. We'll definitely be talking about Dino's Waffle Zone here. And Eric's, but I don't have anything to correct on Eric's, really. (laughs) Lots to correct on Dino's, so or lots to address. So, I'm going solo this week. I don't have the flip-flop, thong, horse shite, hawk lord, or the beast, Matthew with me. And I don't have the administrator, the uh, translator, or the... uh, Historian of the podcast Kirsty here either And Lord Andrew of course is not here He he has better things to do with his time Than hang around with an old uh, uh, Ruddy idiot like me So I'm going it alone this week Which I'm sure will um, bring a a smile to Matt's face (laughs) So let me tell you what I listened to Let's get right into this I only listened to two bands this week one was someone we know someone we love some more than others. Of course, Bruce Dickinson. I listened to accident of birth this past week. Again, uh, started my week off. I didn't even think I was going to listen to anything else all week, but, uh, old chip Ross, my friend, chip Ross, me and him have been going back and forth, talking a lot about the cult and, he originally had talked to me, I believe last week I might have mentioned this, but he had talked to me about the album Ceremony by The Cult, or, well, a single from it, which prompted me to listen to it, to talk to him about it. Uh, he's listened to it since then and kind of got his take. We've been going back and forth a lot of it. I, the Cult is one of my all-time favorite bands. I know they're kind of a hit-or-miss band for people uh, because of Ian Ostberry's vocals, and they changed styles a lot. They just did their own thing. They went and did what they liked, and I really always appreciated that about them, and I always enjoyed just about everything that they did. But The Cult, I listened to Ceremony, I listened to let me, I'm gonna pull their albums up here on my phone and that way I can at least give you some release years on these albums as well. Uh, born into this was their album from 2007. There was a huge gap. I think in their, in the, in their albums and the times that they were putting them out. So it was interesting, but yeah, 2007 for born into this, it's an album. I really like a lot. Uh, discovered it a lot later. I didn't discover it when it was out, but I discovered it later on and man, just some great stuff on that album. Those guys consistently from their very first album, their first major label album, love all the way through their current album that just came out late last year under the midnight sun, just phenomenal material on everything, like great songs on all the albums. I mean, even if you only get a new album every five or six years. And you only get, let's say you only get five really great songs on each album It's still five great songs by a band you love. And and I'll take that. So uh conversation I had earlier, we were talking about, you would always rather have more. Like I'd rather have a band put out a album and have 14 songs or 12 songs than just eight. Cause at least you get to hear the other songs, Uh, you know, and, if you don't want to hear them, you don't have to. But it's better to have the choice. You know, it's always better to have more than enough than not enough. At least in most cases. Always in better that to have that. It's always better in most cases. <laughs> I always thought that was a funny phrase when someone would say always in most cases. So, uh, Another album I'll was Sonic Temple, which came out in 1989. That was... Uh, the first tour that I got to see the Colts on. I saw them twice on that tour. Once uh, the second time they were opening for Metallica uh, on their, uh, I believe it was the 89. I, by then it was the black album. They were touring for the black album, I believe because it definitely was not the injustice for all tour. Yeah, definitely wasn't injustice for all. Cause that was that tour. I saw Metallica on injustice for all in, in, February of 1989. And it was later in 89 when I saw the cult the first time. So the second time I saw them uh, was, uh, I don't want to brag or anything, but it was January 5th, 1990. And I don't know how I remember that date, but I remember that the band's opening were, um, the first band was dangerous toys which it was a band that I was really into at the time, uh, Texas kind of boogie rock kind of uh, band, kind of somewhere I don't know where how you'd really classify them. They're not like L.A. Guns or Guns and uh, maybe yeah maybe on the line of Guns. They're similar to Guns and Roses. E, you know maybe a lot more fun in their lyrics than than seriousness like G&R at the time. But it was Dangerous Toys, which I was happy to see. It was this band called Bonham. Which, if you're a fan of Led Zeppelin, it was the drummer, uh, it was John Bonham's son, was the drummer of this band, and obviously the namesake. And I don't remember anybody else that was in the band, even though I think that we discovered that the lead singer's last name was Dickinson. I could swear someone told me that the other day, and I was like, I wonder if there's any relation. No, 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 no. Sorry. Sorry. The lead singer's last name was McMaster. I think it was Daniel McMaster. And uh, we were trying to figure out, me and my friend were trying to figure out if the lead singer was related to the lead singer of Dangerous Toys because the lead singer of Dangerous Toys is Jason McMaster. So, but I don't think there's any relation. And of course, I saw the cult. It's the only time I ever saw them headlining. And this was a massive venue They they were headlining in. This is a a venue where I saw Metallica on their Injustice for All tour. This was a huge, where, where you would see Ozzy. That's where I saw Ozzy on the No Rest for the Wicked tour, which I think was only, well, it was a year before that, in 89. Man, but uh, yeah, it was a huge venue. It was where... The Dallas Mavericks baseball, uh, basketball team used to play. It's where the uh, Dallas Stars hockey team used to play. So it's a massive, you know, It's probably about an eighteen thousand seater. I don't know what the capacity would have been that night for the Colt. I can't imagine they would have sold it out. But it's awesome to know that they were playing that size of a venue at any given time uh, in the United States. So uh, let's see. That was Sonic Temple, which is a great album. They're very commercial. I'm just, I believe that's the album uh, Bob Rock produced it. You know Bob Rock famously produced Metallica on the Load albums, on the Black album, of course, uh, and some other things. I'm sure he produced Motley Crue's Dr. Feelgood, but I think Sonic Temple was the album that those bands heard. And they said, I want my drums to sound like the drums on Sonic Temple. Uh, another album I listened to, uh, I think I listened to it last week, but uh, Hidden City. Hidden City came out in 2016. That was the most recent album up until 2022. And uh, it's it's another phenomenally good album. I think it's a really, really strong album. I, I love it. I love that album. I was so impressed when it came out because the album before it, which came out in 2012, called Choice of Weapon, which I also listened to, I wasn't really a fan of that at the time. So when Hidden City came out, I was just thinking, okay, you know are these guys done? are they gonna put something else good out And it came out and I was pretty blown away. I think I liked just about all but one songs I thought were really good. So uh, choice of weapon I, I said I already listened to that and I I tried to give it another chance you know it's been gosh 10 years, 11 years and I just never have went back to it but uh, I enjoyed listening to it i I, I liked it better. And I appreciated some of the songs that before I didn't think were any good. So, um, you know, there's hope for that one there. Uh, I listened to some of their self-titled album. I didn't make it all the way through that one. I kind of just was playing the songs that I like. And then, lastly, I listened to their album from 19—no, I'm sorry, 2001. It was their reunion album. They had broke up for a few years, and I believe Ian Osprey was singing for the band called The Doors. Uh, they, I think they were, I can't remember what they were called, the Doors of the 20th Century or something. It was basically Ian Ostbury. And if I recall, it was the original band other than, you know, the lead singer. It was Ian Ostbury. So it's, you know, and he has a very uh, Jim Morris, Morrison-esque vibe about him. Probably, a, I think he, I would imagine he's probably a very, um, a little like like I would think Bruce would be in a way, except this more uh eccentric. Bruce would be a little more arrogant and Ian would be a little more eccentric, I think. So um either way, uh I'd love to meet the guy and just just tell him that I loved his music just for that second, get us a picture, you know. So, so that's that's the music I listen to. A lot of the cult. And I listened to Accident of Birth two or three times early in the week as well. So, Accident of Birth, amazing album. And we will be talking more about that. So, podcast, I listened to um, Eddie Trunk, a podcaster I enjoy listening to. Got There was a little bit of drama about him during the week, but yeah, Eddie Trunk probably has my dream job, you know, talking, talking to famous musicians and just getting to uh, have that life, d- go out and intro shows and things. It seems like it'd be. So much fun. Uh, But he did an interview with Geezer Butler that I I enjoyed it. Not everyone apparently did, (laughs) but I did. Um, Jim Florentine, I listened to a couple of his podcasts. Uh, I signed up for Jim Florentine's Patreon this week too, and I'm really looking forward to that because he's got like, looks like just tons of stuff to listen to there. So I'm looking forward to listening to some more of his uh, Insanity. I listened to this one podcast. It's brand new. Uh, I've heard of it. But I had never listened to the full episode, well, kind of, hadn't really listened to the full episode outside of, um, it's called The Story of Us, Billy and Sarah's Version, and it was the episode was ranking the Taylor Swift albums. Uh, and I really enjoyed it, I liked listening to Billy and Sarah, and um, they seemed like really nice little girls, so... And uh, the the two people that were hosting along with them uh, were a little suspect. They weren't really even fans of Taylor Swift, to to my recollection. I think one of them like liked one song, and the other one seemed like just an idiot that didn't know really anything. And but either way, it was a it was a good uh, thing. And um, I reached out to them. Uh, I reached out to one of the hosts. And it sounds like there's going to be another episode uh, being recorded pretty soon. Cause I was, I was kind of like, I wanted to hear more. I said, well, Hey, when's this next one coming? And, uh, sounds like it's uh, going to happen pretty soon. And lastly, I listened to my own podcast. Uh, uh, and, and I say I listened to it because I don't normally say I listen to it, but I listened to uh, uncle Eric's waffle zone and uncle Dino's waffle zone. And, uh, God, um, I liked what Eric had to do. I, li- I like what Eric did. Um, he was straight. He was at the point. He, um, I liked that he, that he kind of, uh, he talked about bands that I wasn't real super familiar with. He talked a lot about like Testament and I'm a, I was a pretty big Testament fan for a little while. I uh, liked a couple of their albums. I went and saw them live multiple times uh, and made me really want to go check them out some more. Cause I just, I know that Chuck Billy had a cool voice and made me want to check them out. I like that he called out Metallica and um, Avenged Sevenfold for their, you know, new era albums and what he thought he just wasn't blowing smoke. Uh, and I will say, I don't know much at all about Avenged Sevenfold. I know very, like, I think I know they do like hail to the King. I remember that song and I remember thinking that was kind of a uh, black era Metallica ripoff kind of sound, but either way it was a cool sound. You know, they sounded good. And, I listened to this one podcast uh, that I'm going to recommend Dino go listen to because Dino said he never heard anyone talk about Kansas, the band. And uh, this guy that I'm going to say right now, Dino is a big fan of Kansas. He's had, um, Carrie Livgren play on some of his solo or one of his solo albums at one point. He's a huge fan of Kansas too. Uh, Monty's rock cast. Monty was the bass player of galactic cowboys, but he does a podcast. It's, it's, it's a solo podcast he does, and I like it. But I, I'm a big fan of Monty's music and his art. Um, but he does definitely talk about them. But but on Monty's podcast one week, and Monty likes a lot of per, you know newer music too. He did a review for the uh, Avenged Sevenfold album, and you know I honestly never would have went out to out of my way to listen to their music at all. But because he played it, I listened, and I got to admit some of the stuff he played was just god awful. Like it just was way out in left field compared to just what a rock album you would, what you would expect. And I'm not a fan of theirs. I can't imagine being a fan of theirs and hearing that and thinking, oh yeah, this is pretty good. I'm sure there's some out there, but I definitely think I would agree with Eric's take. Uh, It sounded pretty bad. The Metallica album. I honestly haven't listened to it. I've heard uh, Monty actually uh, reviewed that one. And he was more favorable on that review than he was the Avenged Sevenfold album, you know, and he played a few bits and pieces here and and I thought it sounded okay. I mean, I I always kind of think Metallica sounds good, but I'm not really that interested in going out and buying it either. So I'll leave that there. Um, what else did Eric do? Um, he talked about some bands he talked about doing talking about movies and stuff and i like that he just kind of branched out a little bit with that cuz i know there's been a little bit of that where we've talked about maybe shows or i can't remember maybe we do that on the uh on the uh, the patreon i can't remember i know sometimes we'll talk about tv shows and just i try to keep it as straight as we can because without without that we'll we'll you know you have multiple people it's it's easy for one person to say he watched a movie but you get three people and then You know, and include Matt in there. And then, of course, Matt's going to run off and go talking crazy about something. So, but seriously, uh, I would like to incorporate some different things at different times as well. It's definitely things I've thought about. And it made me think of things that I would want to do in the future. So, uh, I'm glad you did the episode, Eric. And uh, I enjoyed it. I did enjoy listening to it. Now, Dino's episode, uh, that was something else, I got to say. Um, I knew I listened to it and I was driving and the whole time I thought I should be taking notes because there's so much I want to cover on here. And, um, I've got a lot of notes here that I basically would just stop the recording and say it into my phone. So I'm going to just try to address some things that Dino said on his waffle. Also, um, I do appreciate, and I do appreciate both of these guys doing it. It was a lot of fun to listen to both of them. Although I got a little more, I got a little more frustrated with Dino and some of his. Uh, there was one take that he had where he was completely off base as far as uh, something he was quoting us. And as soon as I talked to Matt, Matt said the same thing, and I go, "Yeah, he didn't say that right." So I will be correcting that among many other things. So uh, I'll just read you what I wrote down in my notes here about the. Uh, this is about Dino's episode. Eric just gets a thumbs up. I wrote, as soon as the music started. I thought this can't be a good episode. I mean, if if, if the music leading me in is any indication, <laughs> "Quest for Fire." <laughs> um, the only thing that would make "Quest for Fire" worse would be a lot more um, something else that Maiden did on that album, and and a lot on "Fear of the Dark" would be some gang vocals. How about some gang vocals for "Quest for Fire"? Not Bruce Dickinson vocals, gang, gang. G-A-N-G, gang vocals. Um, let's see here. Dino said, he, I'm going to set the record straight because he's taken all the arrows for his perfectly reasonable and logical opinions, which then he proved completely to be the opposite of what by everything else he said on the episode. Um, I, I he made me laugh when he used the term bloviate. I liked that because I felt like the fact that he said bloviate just made me know that he pays attention. Um, I, I was very, very, and I told Dino this in a private message as well, but I was very appreciative of what he had to say um, when he talked about the audience participation and building a community here. Cause that's something I really, I, I kind of wanted to do cause I grew up being the rock. I mean, I had a couple of friends that were into some of the music I like, but I never had fa- friends that were just really into everything. And, uh, I really was looking forward to just, Hey, if I do an episode about the cult and five people like it, that's five people I could talk to the cult about. Or if I talk about this band or Iron Maiden or whatever, and I'll meet people. And I've met so many people and it's, it's been about creating a community of people and everyone's real cool. I've had a very few, um, let's call them D bags show up, uh, where they got mad that I talked about Ted Nugent or something, you know, things like that. Everyone's been super cool very understanding and just knowing that it's about the music. It's not about a person's politics or whatever. Um, he, uh, see, so he said, um, he thought that me allowing people to come on and do their stories would create uh, loyalty from listeners. I, I assume that that's, that's accurate. I, I, um, I, de- it definitely wasn't by design that I did that. I just, when I started doing it, 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 it I think it's really created friendships. You know, I've made, I've made friends with so many people. Um, and, and to the literally to the point of, you know, Kirsty and Matt and Andrew, who are all regular uh, co-hosts here. Um, all of them. I never met. It was all just through the podcast. And I love that feels very organic to me. And I, I just want to be real and organic. And I know that Dino mentioned, uh, that I seem like a pretty real guy, not blowing smoke kind of, kind of guy, whatever. And, um, that, you know, the way he talked about it, the way he elaborated on it and how it just put it in a perspective that I guess I know is there, but you know, it's, it's being a part of it. I don't even think about it. I just do it. And, and, uh, but it, it I really appreciated it. Everything he said about that, I thought was awesome. Like, I just thought, man, that, that, makes me feel good because that's a, I felt like mostly a pretty good description of me of what I've tried to do. And a lot of it is by, you know, I said, some of it was by, you know, just thinking, Oh, that'd be a good idea. I'll try it. And then it just kind of fall backwards into a good idea or just something completely by accident. And it's been really awesome. And I'm very appreciative of, of all of your kind words, Dino. I know I've told you that, uh, but it's, I think it's nice to say it publicly. You said what you said publicly as well, um, so I started off on a, on a good foot, like Dino did here, kind of. <laughs> well, I insulted him a little bit, so now let's, let's let's um let's get into some of the things Dino said. Um, and and Dino has always come across talking about um, Seventh Son and his opinions about Seventh Son have always baffled me and Matt and Kirsty, uh, and I know Andrew. I'm sure. So, I thought what Dino had to say, and I talked, you know, I, I talked to Matt about this. Uh, he said that Seventh Son was an album that never captured his imagination, and what he said about it made a lot of sense in explaining how he feels about it. And so I was like, okay, well that's cool. I'll and, and I I talked to Matt about that, and I said I'll give him credit for that. That makes that that completely is reasonable. You know, it's a reason. I mean, we all like what we like. We all like art differently, and. You know, so I can totally accept, I expect, uh, I'm sorry, it's it's after, it's 1.30 in the morning right now as I'm recording, so my wording might be a little, uh, might get a little uh, tangled up here, but it was a good explanation for why he feels the way he does about Seventh Son, so I thought that was interesting. Uh, let's see here. He uh, Here's a correction. He said the first album, uh, he talked about the first Maiden album, and he was calling it an eponymous album and uh no no no, i'm sorry i'm sorry he was talking about the first album by firehouse and he said it was eponymous and i was uh i get confused on that myself but eponymous means that there's a song on the album called firehouse the album is called firehouse and the band is called firehouse i believe is how that works so um firehouse is a band i will say uh that I did like. I thought their first album, it was it was um, like the I guess you would call it the glam style of rock or whatever it was, um, but it was better. It had a little bit little bit more of an edge to it. it. You know, they had some ballads that like they had a ballad that I hated called "Love of a Lifetime," and I thought that was just ugh, cringy. Uh, but I did like some of the stuff on that album a lot. And then their second album was called Hold Your Fire. I liked that album a fair amount, too, I believe. I know there was multiple songs I liked off both albums. I've got a picture of myself somewhere at a, at an in-store uh, where they did an in-store autograph thing, and I was meeting them. And all I remember about it is that I had a KISS shirt on. I had seen KISS on their Revenge tour. And all of them, rather than me saying, hey, it's cool to meet you, they were all asking me about the KISS uh, tour and the album and what I thought about it and stuff like that, which was really cool. It's cool. Having just a real conversation with people instead of it being just like, Oh dude, I love your album. It was really cool. So, uh, yeah, I definitely uh, give, I would give firehouse a thumbs up for that. Those two albums. I don't think I've heard anything else they've ever done. I don't know if they've made any more albums or, uh, I know that the bass player that was in their band named Perry, I believe he's the bass player in Striper now. I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm pretty sure that's accurate. Uh let's see. What else did Dino say? He said uh he made the comment that Kurt Cobain was the reason that all the 90s bands stopped making music kind of and I don't really I don't like that. I don't like that thought process because I feel like Kurt Cobain came out and made the music he wanted to make and the, the the glam rock thing had gotten so just, it was just a, a, a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy. And these bands, it was just so, it had gotten so bloated and just embarrassing, really. Uh, and I think whenever, some, when the grunge thing came along and it was people talking about real life and not just, because most people I, that I knew didn't live that kind of party life and and, you know, just, just whatever like bands like poison and 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 stuff like that was talking about i think that it's not the bands it was the fans the fans turned on that on that stuff and they went to something that was a little more real something that was different um and i wonder what happened to the metal fans to a degree because uh, I was into all that stuff. I still listened to Kiss and Motley Crue, but Kiss was making a grungy album, and Motley Crue made a grunge album, and uh, Metallica made grunge albums. Kinda, you know, they they definitely shifted their look, their sound, to a degree. Um, but the fans kind of abandoned the music itself, and it is what it is. I I I did like Nirvana. I didn't mind Nirvana. I saw them live once and they weren't much to see because Kurt Cobain was only a few months away from, um, depending on what you believe, he was a few months away from killing himself and he was depressed. And uh, it was very obvious on stage and it wasn't a fun show to watch, but. I love, I, I, I liked Nirvana, even though he had attitude and I like the attitude. That's a rock and roll attitude. To, and I, like I said, it's not Kurt Cobain that ruined music. It's the fans that abandoned all of the bands that they liked for so long. But a lot of those bands just, you know, a lot, there was some good stuff there, but a lot of them, they did it to themselves. They lacked originality. I'm, it's, it's probably a good thing. So what else? Uh, I already mentioned uh, Monty Colvin because you said you like Kansas and you've never heard anyone talk. I've definitely heard him talk about he's got tons and tons of episodes. So I don't know that he talks about Kansas on every episode, but I'm sure that they come up. Um, Let's see. uh, He said he talked about a country singer and that he had a song called He Stopped Loving Her Today. He goes, everyone's heard that. Not me. Don't know anything about uh, him other than. Wait, is he the one that was married to? Uh, I don't know. I I had a friend that was a big Kiss fan in junior high. Uh, junior high, yeah, and part of high school. I remember he was a big fan of a guy named Merle Haggard, and his parents listened to country music. So I think I heard some stuff. So, I, I mean, I've definitely heard the name George Jones and I think he's, is he the one Dino? This is a question only for you, but I think his nickname was called the possum or something like that. I can't remember. I've heard that from somebody. So anyway, there's my country music knowledge. Uh, Oh God. And, gang vocals. Do we got to talk about gang vocals? Cause nothing makes Dino's eyes roll more than hearing the words gang vocals. Uh, and he start. he called Kirsty out and saying that she started the whole gang vocal thing on my podcast. I know that one of my very first episodes I did about Iron Maiden, I talked about fear of the dark and I did one called the worst of Bruce Dickinson. I haven't went back to listen to my original you know, the best of the worst of fear of the dark or whatever I did. I'm wondering if I'd mentioned gang vocals there, but no one ever told me to say all that stuff. No, I didn't. I wasn't friends with Nesbit, and I didn't listen to talking maiden and he didn't tell me that was a terrible album. No one told me it was a terrible album. My ears told me it was a terrible album. So I, I you got into this whole, um, and maybe I'm getting a little ahead of my notes here, but, uh, let's see here. Um, well, here I'll just I'll go through my notes. I know I mentioned it in here somewhere. Uh, I don't know that Kirsty was the first one to use the term "gang vocals." I, I like to think I did because I just kind of do what I do, and 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 I didn't come as part of any kind of a, uh, a we had. There was no plan built. There was no group mentality in place to where we all said, "Hey, let's do this." I don't really. I understand what you're talking about by that because a lot of people hear something and then they, but then. It's like going to school. You go and you learn something and you go, oh, or someone tells you about an album and goes, hey, maybe you never noticed this. You go, oh, well, let me check that out. Oh, wow, I really like it better now. Yeah. So, You said, Dino, you never noticed gang vocals, or really the background vocals for that matter, and had it ruin a song. My question was at that point, have you actually been listening to those songs? Because the gang vocals in, say, something like Chains of Misery from here to eternity. I mean, if there's, it's, it's like a, it's like a chorus. If the chorus is bad because of the vocals, you're going to notice it, right? I mean, you say that Blaze was a bad fit for Iron Maiden, so you must have listened to his vocals. I mean, it's obviously you're listening to vocals, but I think you have you have blinders on when it comes to Bruce Dickinson's Iron Maiden output. Obviously, if you think that Quest for Fire is a very good song, so. Quest for Fire, this is when you went into your big Quest for Fire thing and you said um, no one would have complained about the lyrics to Quest for Fire Uh, you went on and on about the fact that uh, the opening line was what threw us off now this is where me and Matt had a discussion because we said yeah, yeah, the lyrics are whatever you know, crap lyrics I can deal with some not so great lyrics it's the vocal melodies that ruin quest for fire you know the music's okay i mean it's it's you know the, the 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 um the gallop in that song isn't the same as the gallop in 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 the trooper that's for sure but um yeah we we talk it's the melodies of the entire song the chorus drawn by quest for fire it's a crappy melody um, in a day when dinosaurs walked the earth na-na, all that terrible melodies, garbage melodies, man. I don't know. You wonder how Steve Harris wrote the trooper and then wrote quest for fire and thought they should go on an album together. You really got to wonder you really, well, is that the day that, um, uh, there's a line on, on accident of birth where where Bruce Dinkins says, Jesus had his day off when they pulled you through. I think he might've been really meaning to say, Martin Birch had his day off when they pulled Quest for Fire through. Maybe, maybe because, uh, yeah, it's a crap song. I mean, it's, it's crap. It's garbage. You know, I love the guys that played on it. It's a crap song. The melodies are crap. It, maybe it would have been better as an instrumental. Okay, let's just—I'll say that. I'll give you that, Dino. It would have been a good instrumental. Would have been a. It would have been a lot better as an instrumental. Way better. So, you know, I have no issue with the dinosaurs. I mean, if he sings in a day when dinosaurs walked the earth, and it was a really cool melody, if he would have sang that like in uh, the Trooper, in a day when dinosaurs walked the earth. Da-na-na-na whatever the next line is of Quest for Fire, you know, that would have sounded cool. It wouldn't have been, we wouldn't have cared because the music would have been so awesome and the song would have been awesome and the melody would have been awesome. But the melody of that song sucks. Hear me out, Dino. It's the melody of Quest for Fire that ruins it. It's not the first line of the song. It's the melodies in that song. I remember hearing it way back when, like say 86, 86. Not quite as early as you heard it, but probably eighty six, eighty, you know, eighty seven ish. I didn't like it back then. It was a skipper. It is a skipper now. It's always been a skipper. I did a review of quest uh, of the album recently with Matt and Kirsty, and I had to listen to it a few times, and it was, it was painful. It was painful. I'll never get that four minutes or whatever of my life back. So, um, yeah. no one told me that I had to call that song crap. I thought it was crap when I started my podcast. No one told me that before that. Cause I didn't know anybody. I didn't know anyone that liked iron maiden. I knew a, a few random people, but we generally didn't sit around talking about quest for fire. If they did, they weren't big enough fans for me to get into the deep, deep dives discussions with them about it, it would be hey, Hey, you know, let's we talk about what we liked. So there you go. Uh, yeah, no one told me, no one told Kirsty. no one told Matt, we all had enough sense in our brains and our earlobes to know that Quest for Fire is crap melodies. Crap melodies. The only thing that would have made it worse is if it would have been gang vocals in the chorus instead of the Bruce's just layered vocals. So, next up, what do we got? Uh, you said it's a problem when people hear opinions that you didn't hold and maybe didn't hold... Um, Let's see. It's a problem when you hear opinions that you didn't hold or may. So I think you were talking about people getting their opinions and and changing their opinions based on what we say. I think that if that happens, maybe it's an opinion that they were already kind of, uh, wavering on like a Kirstie said that to me recently. She said, well, if, if that changed your opinion, then maybe you kind of already felt that way a little bit, or maybe you'd already thought that it's possible. Um, Sometimes you, there's, I know for a fact, there's songs that have come out or or not songs, but yeah, whatever songs, bands where someone doesn't like it or does like it. And I'll tell them about it. And like I would say with Matt and Matt would say, yeah, I don't like this. But then I would say, no, no, no. Listen to this. and He'd go and listen. He ended up liking it or vice versa. Maybe, you know, there's times when you influence someone for the good and for the bad. That's just a part of life. It's not, you know, I mean, I'm willing to listen to somebody, you know. I listen to you. <laughs> so, um But I definitely don't think that everyone has been a fan of Iron Maiden for 30 years, and then now they're going, um You know, I, I've always liked Quest for Fire. I thought it was an amazing song, but since Uncle Steve Kirsty and Matt think it sucks, I don't like it anymore. I, I kind of think that all of us are old enough and Strong enough in our beliefs to, you know, and if somebody, if if someone changes, hey, that's a, you know, I guess we're doing some good for the team. So, let's see here. Um, I like that you uh, listened to Jesse's episodes and gave him a shout out. Just because Jesse said that Quest for Fire is hard to play on guitar doesn't mean it's good. I'm sure he would say that Ingve Malmsteen's songs are hard to play on guitar too. It doesn't make him good. It, I think it sounded cool when Jesse did it personally. I liked when Jesse did it better than when Iron Maiden did it. It was cool just to hear Jesse play it. And Jesse is a good guitar player. And I do like Jesse's podcast. Let me add all that. But just because Jesse said it was hard to play on guitar doesn't mean, go. Oh, that's a great song. Jesse just has bad taste in that one song. <laughs> Sorry, Jesse to throw you under the bus, but you know what I mean? So, um, And let's see, I wrote, Dino tries to defend Quest for Fire. Okay, by saying Jesse said it was hard to play in guitar. Okay. Um, You said that Quest for Fire fit perfectly with everything else on that album. It's a lie. It doesn't fit perfectly with Where Eagles Dare or Revelations or Flight of Icarus or The Trooper. None of those. And those are the great songs on that album. It doesn't fit in well with any of those. It would have fit in well on The Cutting Room Floor. But I will say, as I said earlier, I would always rather have an extra song and have a choice to skip it than not have the choice to hear it. So I'm better for having heard it because it's definitely created a lot of uh, fun talk. Let's see what else we got here. Um, Actually, that's what I wrote next. I wrote, that's a total crock. Quest for Fire doesn't fit in with, uh, with Where Eagles Dare or Revelations of the Trooper or Flight of Icarus. All those have good melodies. Quest for Fire has zero good melodies. The only thing that would make it worse is, you guessed it, gang vocals. <laughs> uh, let's see. You said, I don't know how you can be a maiden fan and be so critical of Quest for Fire. Um... Come on, man! It's it's you can be. You're allowed to be. We're allowed to be critical of things. Uh, you know, I, I I can acknowledge that Steve Harris ain't batting a thousand. He's you know probably in the high eight hundreds, but he's not in the thousand area. He's not perfect, uh, as we all know. He also wrote from here to eternity. Um, let's see what else we got. Uh, I, I I okay. I said. Uh, you said. Um, how could you be so critical, Questor Fire? Um, and I said, the quest for fire followed the trooper. It followed revelations. It followed where Eagles dare. It followed a hallowed be thy name. It followed run to the hills. It followed children of the damned. 22 Acacia avenues, killers, innocent exile, um, phantom of the opera. It followed a lot of great songs. I can't believe that that song got on the album. I can't, I, I really, it's astonishing to think that that song made it that, that um, Martin Birch did not nix it and say, Steve, this doesn't hold a candle to anything else you got here. Look, you had eight songs on the last album. You're going to have eight songs on the next couple albums. Let's just, let's just keep it at eight. Eight was the magic number back then. So, um, and then I wrote, that's how you criticize it. It, it followed all that other stuff. You followed all that other stuff, so that's how you criticize it. Let's see here. Um, okay, you talked about the first line, you, you talked a lot about Quest for Fire, <laughs> a lot about Quest for Fire. Uh, let's see here. Um, and I wrote, you know, hey, great melodies can overcome crap lyrics, as I've already said. If you put that at the front of the trooper, hey, totally different. Um, uh, what do we got here? Uh, Quest for Fire, another paragraph about Quest for Fire. Uh, I always skipped it back in the day. I added that here. Uh, people that have been listening for 30 years aren't changing their opinions. I don't think not that much. Um, I, I thought it was funny, Dino, when you tried to say queet quotes. Uh, I think you remember the story, but if not, and if someone's new, I'll tell you the quick story. The real cliff notes version was back in the day, we called them quote tweets and One time I was trying to say it. I was trying to talk fast, and I said, Queet Quotes, and we started laughing about it. And back then, uh, Kirsty had written a uh, quote tweet at the time, and that's the last episode that it was called Quote Tweets. She wrote a quote tweet as a song, and I had to sing it. Well, I didn't read it before I sang it. I just got there and said, okay, let me sing it. And I was singing it to the tune of whatever it was. And she had written quiet quotes as one of her lyrics. And when she wrote that in there, it kind of cemented it to me like, okay, it's an organic thing that happened an accidental mistake thing that happened. Um, we all love those. And at that point I thought it's a weird sounding word, but it's fun to say quiet quotes. It's kind of weird to say in a way too, but I laughed that you struggled with that because I thought Dino has been listening long enough. He should know how to say that word. Uh, you, you mentioned how Killers songs were leftovers from the first album. I do agree with you there. I feel like, you know, they recorded that first album and they had to know that, you know, even though they might have signed a record deal, they didn't really know what they were going to get. Maybe this is the only album we got. And uh, I talked to a guy earlier and he said, you have your whole life to write your first album and then you maybe get a year for the next one. So I think there was a few a few new tracks for Killers, but. Most of those they had been playing live before 1980. So yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. I think the first album is a lot better than the second one. And I think a lot of people like the second one better just because the production's different. Let's see here. Um, he made me laugh when uh, he was telling again, that if he had a match, he would go back and check three or four times to make sure that was right. And I said, that's not bad advice. Um, one thing I was wondering though, was, I would love for somebody to go back and listen to that episode again and count how many time Dino uses the word masterpiece, because I think Dino that you throw that word around very, very loosely. You use it way too much and you call way too many things a masterpiece. You know, every song is not a, you know, a, calling the song a masterpiece has, it's gotta be perfect to be a masterpiece. Like to me, the evil that men do is a masterpiece of a song. Revelations is a masterpiece. Uh, 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 what's, uh yeah, it's too late for me now. It's almost two a.m. What's the song I'm thinking of? Uh, the Trooper is a masterpiece. Phantom of the Opera, while some may disagree, is a masterpiece. Moonchild is a masterpiece. Uh, there's so, there's a lot of good songs, but you know it's got it's got to be perfect to be a masterpiece, and you're throwing. Stuff that's not perfect and saying it's a masterpiece. So um that said, I i pray that somebody will go listen to that episode. I, I was halfway through it when I just thought, gosh, I wish I was counting these words. So um there you go. There you go. And let's see here. Uh this says, uh, do you know until you said Seventh Son uh, through Number of the Beast. Every one of those was a masterpiece. It's not true. I don't really know if any of them are masterpieces, to be honest with you. Seventh Son is probably what I would consider a masterpiece album uh, by them. And I would say they have maybe two total. I think A Matter of Life and Death is a masterpiece. Um, but then, in, But then it's probably not. Because like the chorus on the longest day isn't perfect. So maybe it's not a masterpiece, but I, whatever it's, it's it's, you are throwing that word around there way too much, way too much. Um, and then again, you said, you could not believe that we don't consider quest for fire. I mean, peace of mind, a masterpiece. And I wrote quest for fire, die with your boots on still life entertainment land. That's not a masterpiece album. It's a good album, not a masterpiece. Let's see here. Uh, I did think it was funny that you addressed Bruno and how he infected me about somewhere in time being a tired band. Um, I don't agree with Bruno's take on that album totally as far as uh, it being trash or anything. I like a lot of it, but um, I I do think that they were tired and, uh, but they were like Dino said, they were also in their prime. So, um, I think, though, that they probably maybe were, maybe he said a tired man. Maybe I think they were being a little, you know, maybe a little formulaic. Like maybe Alexander the Great's formulaic. But either way, I like it. And lastly, the last thing I'll mention about your episode, Dino. um, All the quests for, uh, not quests for fire. Gang vocals, ah, sorry, no, gang vocals. You don't want to hear me talk about gang vocals. I know that you said every time you hear the word gang vocals, it makes your eyes roll. I just wish, maybe I should record myself saying gang vocals over and over and make a gang vocal of a, get me saying gang vocal. <laughs> that would be fun. But you really lost me in the last 12 minutes when you went on and on and on about Dio Um he just went on and on. And that was literally the one time in the episode where I just kind of, you know, it kind of just rolled my eyes and I was just like, you know, it is what it is. I'm just going to kind of quit listening here. But I did think that it was, um, kind of funny. I- I'm going to give just a little behind the scenes. I, me and, uh, me and Dino did a lot of texting or messaging, uh, emailing, I guess is what it was. And, um, I'm going to read like three little messages that we that were sent you know, in the span of, a, I think, about 15 or 20 minutes maybe, and ju- just to really give what happened here, because I think it deserves it. So Dino had said to me, I'm holding out hope that one day you will hear the right Dio song and see the light. Give that Rainbow Live in Munich 76 album a chance that I mentioned on the podcast. Tell me Mistreated isn't an incredible performance. I just said, look, I'll take your word for it. When I heard what you played and you talked about all the emotions, etc., <laughs> And this is the part that I just laughed at when I read, when I reread this, it makes me laugh. So I said, when I heard what you played and talked about all the emotions he had, I just heard a flat, boring voice devoid of emotion. I think blaze who is a disciple of Dio has more emotion. Dino's response was, I take it back. There is no hope. I've lost it all after that comment. Bringing Blaze into this was really twisting the knife. And I wasn't trying to do that, but it made me laugh. Um, It made me laugh whenever that happened. I just thought, because I literally was listening to him and I'm thinking, this is just his. I respect what Dio did. I respect the way he treated fans. I just don't, I'm just not a fan of his vocals. There's a couple of bits, you know, the part on, I think it's the last in the, the, the first time if we're evil. Yeah. where he says we are coming and he goes home. He holds that note. I think that sounds pretty cool, but I, I just don't really just, I just don't have the time to waste on Dio. Okay. I was hoping this episode was going to be shorter, but it's getting to the range of where I already want having it be longer. So let me run through these retweets and tweet. Quotes, no more gang vocal talk. So the retweets for the last week's episode are as follows. As uh, Royal Dude Dave in the USA, at Minasiyawasa711 on Twitter, it was all the other writing was in like, I believe Japanese. I could be wrong. I don't know Japanese writing or... Chinese writing. I don't know how to differentiate, and I wasn't sure which. I didn't have a way. To, they didn't have a location listed. They did, but it was written in in, in, in and I don't mean that as an insult when I say it. I just don't know the difference. There's probably a huge difference, but I don't know it. Um, and these are the retweets. El Gaucho, who is south of heaven in the abbeys. Uh, I don't know if they meant to say abyss, but they wrote abbeys. Joseph E. Hoyle in Mason Neck, Virginia. Ron Kramer in Washington State, PIM, hashtag SPFC, in 22 Acacia Avenue, Hell. Neo Yeoman in Lancashire, David Laird, the Scouser, in Liverpool, England. Lucas in Melbourne, Victoria, Australia. Pero in Montevideo, and I know I'm not saying that properly, Uruguay. Clive on Twitter. Jesse in Illinois. Fur 71 in Valencia, España. Willie Valiverta in Finland. And Kirsty Prince retweeted the main episode. The, the, uh, what was it? Accident of birth. Next up again, uh, Marietani. And he said, as I said before, I'm not a big fan of Bruce's. I'm sorry, I'm not a big fan of Bruce's solo stuff, except Tattooed Millionaire. Let's see if you guys can change my mind. And I'm like, that's bizarre to me. How... Tattooed Millionaire is the album that threw everybody off of Bruce. Bizarre. Just bizarro opinion here. Even Dino knows better than that, Again, <laughs> uh, Gang vocals. Uh, Gen Maritani also said, no more lies. I mean, no more violence, Uncle Steve. Listen to the episode and the entire album. I must admit that it was much better than I remembered, but I didn't. it didn't change my overall impression. I definitely appreciate it more now, though. So you mean to tell me again, you still think that Tattooed Millionaire is a better album than Accident of Birth? I just don't know what to say there. (laughs) So here's his song rankings. And I believe him and Matthew had two matches on this and they were being really excited about it. But here's how you, I haven't looked at these too much yet. I'm trying not to. So, okay. Um, He said, uh, welcome to the pit, which he gave a one out of 10. Yeesh. I like Welcome to the Hit a lot better than that. The lyrical content is not great, I guess. But it's actually, the lyrical content's not that bad. This is an instance where the, the lyrics aren't great, but the song sounds really good, so there's good melodies. Something Quest for Fire could take notes on. Uh, his number 11 was Star Children, which I'm baffled by. Baffled. Uh, he has, uh, yeah, uh, where did he's, I thought he, I thought there was only 11 songs. I'm getting confused. Maybe there's 12. Uh, he's got the magician down at 10. He said that's a five out of 10, which is bizarre. I really think me and Matt discussed this during the week. I think the magician's a really, really good song. Really, I like it a lot, a lot better than it's just on an album with so many really, 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 really good songs. So uh, then he's got "Freak" at number nine. Holy crap! Uh, Taking the Queen at number eight. Good God! Accident of Birth at number seven. And you know, usually I think I think on this album it, there's it's everything is you're splitting hairs as Matt would say. Uh, Dark Side of Aquarius at six. Road to Hell at 5 and I will say that as I listened to this album after the review, I thought to myself if I was doing this ranking again, I probably would have put Road to Hell dead last. Sorry Kirsty. Um he's got Omega at 4, which is an incredible song. Oh, that's what he did. He did put Ghost of Kane on here. Ghost of Kane isn't listed, so um I don't think Ghost of Kane is as good as all of these other ones though. Uh, Man of Sorrows, wow, that's really high for Man of Sorrows at number two, and Arc of Space at number one. Uh, He's got the ballad type songs closer to the top. Arc of Space is an amazing, amazing song. Love it, love it, love it. Can't argue with that. So thank you again. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for doing that. Um, Let's see what we got here. Dino. Dino said, excellent discussion about an album that needs more attention. I have always loved. I mean love this album. I think oh I just said Road to Hell was my least favorite. I think Road to Hell my favorite song, but they're all bangers. However, this album is not on level as the 80s reunion era Maiden Uncle Steve. Yes it is. It is. This is this is how I can prove you wrong. I have a podcast. <laughs> that means I'm right. No. It absolutely, when I, I mean, I wouldn't say it's better. I mean, I would say it's better than some of their 80s. I, you know, I think I said, I think it's better than Peace of Mind. I think it's better than Somewhere in Time. Uh, Power Slave, Number the Beast, Seventh Son. I think it's right up there with them. I it's, I, I struggle saying it's, it's better because they're just, they're just really all, these are all really good albums we're talking about here. It is absolutely on the level of all Maiden albums. Every single one of them. And it just goes to show what an amazing artist Bruce really is when he gets the right people around him. Gets Roy Z. Roy Z is the big ingredient here. On this album especially. It wasn't It wasn't Adrian, it was Roy. Now, Adrian's guitar playing absolutely helped. And having Adrian here gave him a little bit more cred, you know, but man, having Roy Z is, is was a huge thing. This absolutely compares. Maybe you can't compare it musically, which is what you're saying here. You said it just can't compare musically. It does. You saying you need that gallop? The gallop. It doesn't change the fact that you can't compare it. I mean, it, I mean, it, it can't. It is comparable. It's just they're both amazing. They're all amazing albums. And I think if you saying that you think the album's amazing. It, it, it's maybe you would rank the one of those a little higher maybe you would rank those better you like them better but this album's awesome it rules we're splitting hairs here as Matt would say uh you said I would only put it over the blaze albums and killers uh nah I disagree with you just completely disagree with you uh also right on Matt for taking a standing up for tatmaland and dune big deal you're still wrong about the the level. <laughs> uh, okay, here's another Dave in the... Uh, no, God, I'm sorry. I read that as Dave in the USA. That was Dino. That's all Dino saying that. Um, yeah, Dino. Uh, I'm sorry, Dave. I'm sorry, Dave. I've, I've, it's 2 a.m. where I'm at. Sorry. Yeah, um, absolutely, Dino. Uh, yeah, um, I get it. I mean, I, like I said, we love those 80s albums. We love the modern Maiden albums. Uh, I really appreciate that you're that you do appreciate those the modern stuff as much as you do. But I do think it compares. I really think it compares. You're wrong. Whether you're Dave or you're Dino, you're wrong. (laughs) Okay, so now Dave in the USA. He says I'm so far behind on podcasts, but I just saw this and I can't wait to listen. Bruce's accident, ooh, accident of birth is. A better album for me than at least or at a minimum seven Iron Maiden albums. And I could easily say that's better than all the nineties material. Um, it's better than the two uh albums with uh Diano, so that's six of them. And I would say it's better than Peace of Mind and Somewhere in Time. That's eight. So uh I'd say it's better than Book of Souls, I'd say it's better than maybe Dance of Death. That's ten. So at least ten of the albums maybe and it's definitely on par with everything it's 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 a quality it's as good as it's like comparing resurrection by uh, Rob Halford to a lot of the priest albums except with priest it, resurrections better than most of their albums and uh, the only album it's not better than is painkiller in my eyes so let's see here uh he said, uh, also, Road to Hell would slot into my top 20 Maiden songs if I made that list somewhere. It's that good. Okay. I think it's a good song. It's just not in my, it's just not the top for me. Uh, don't dislike it. Uh, Lord Andrew. it's uh, Now, Andrew's was a long, long uh, list of things he said here. He said, it's been several hours since I had to stop listening after hearing Matt's review of Taking the Queen. And I'm still reeling. Dismissing ancient folkloric tales as childish fairy tales needs to be addressed, and I'll do the best I can. There are different versions of Tale of the Fairy Queen, but perhaps Bruce has based this song on the epic 16th century poem The Fairy, Queenie, fairy Queen uh, by Edmund Spencer. She's a virtuous ruler who's clearly Elizabeth I, and a copy of the poem was presented to Her Majesty in 1589. The imagery that comes to my mind when listening is of Elizabeth's death in 1603, a pivotal moment in British history bringing an end to the Tudor dynasty and heralding in an England ruled by a Scot and the beginning of what would become the United Kingdom. The story of the Fairy Queen dates back into Arthurian legend and beyond. It inspired Canterbury Tales author Jeffrey Chaucer in The Merchant's Tale, Shakespeare when writing A Midsummer Night's Dream, and many other eminent writers through the centuries. It is of vastly greater cultural importance and substance than an incomprehensible sci-fi novel written by someone who hated the music that gave us to tame a land with its impenetrable lyrics. Finally, Taking the Queen is one of the best songs on a masterpiece of an album. Couple things here. One that Andrew was wrong about, apparently, was Kirsty came back and just said, Look, I quoted Bruce. He didn't mention that. (laughs) Andrew said, Oops, my bad. (laughs) Also, and of more importance, Andrew agreed with me on my take that this album ranks up there with the best of any Iron Maiden album. High praise. Jesse, great discussion. This is a fantastic album. Some great opinions. Roy Z and Adrian work so well together. Well done, Uncle Steve crew. Thank you, Jesse. (laughs) Willie Valleverta in Finland wrote, The baptism of Uncle Steve. Dental drumming techniques. Mauling a co-host with a bat. Will Matt have to seek asylum in Finland? Will it be a lunatic asylum? Stiff drink. Probably. <laughs> and then he ended it with taking the queen is awesome. Me and Matt had a conversation during the week where he just said, "Oh my God, I just—it's like he awoke the sleeping uh, wolves, you know. He awoke a giant." <laughs> so, so, Ron Kramer in Washington State. He started quoting some Iron Maiden, I wouldn't say lyrics, but he wrote, Woe to you, Casey Matt, or Matt, for the Hawk Lord sends Andrew Whitnall and Uncle Steve with wrath. Let him who hath understanding refrain from blaspheming the name of the Hawk Lord from here to eternity. And he also tweet quoted uh, his own tweet quote, Ron did. And he said, Four things I have learned on Uncle Steve's podcast. One, not everybody likes Ronnie James Dio. That's correct. Two, Adrian Smith can be popular with women. So that is uh, something he's learned from me, something he's learned from Kirsty. Next thing, he wrote three. Andrew Wittenall knows things. So there's Andrew. And he decided to mention Matt in the last one. Keep the Hawk Lord out of your effing mouth, Matt. <laughs> oh yeah. Matt, Matt realized during the week what, what he had, he, he had kind of a, uh, a, a, a sleeping John. It was funny. Uh, let's see up next. The honorable counselor, sir, Richard Holmes of the Ulster unionist party in Garva, Northern Ireland. He said, Interesting discussion, particularly around lyrics. Still not convinced enough to buy it, which I'm baffled by that. I just, it's worth noting progression of Bruce and Steve as lyricists from the 80s, early 80s to now. Bruce always occasionally dipped into Tom Sharp mode, but is a great poet. Accident of birth excels lyrically. I'm just baffled that he wouldn't want to buy this. And listen to this more. Oh my gosh, it's just an amazing album. Just I, it really baffles my mind. Really baffles my mind. Uh, then rock a rolla. He said, "I have never heard this record. The title hits a little close to home." <laughs> Let Uncle Steve and crew entertain you. Um, now I wanted to read a Facebook post by Chris Reedy, and it was uh, regarding up uh, uh, the Facebook post about this episode and he said it's a pretty long one that he wrote but it's pretty good he said such a groundbreaking album in my opinion having endured grunge new metal and the state to which maiden had fallen by 1997 this album revitalized my love of metal separately bruce and adrian had put out some good music balls to picasso skunkworks and the two psycho motel albums and it wasn't really metal And there was something missing. The key, in my opinion, was Roy Z, his guitar, his songwriting, and his production. And they got back to some of the lyrics and themes that made metal a great escape from the BS in this world. I thought I was prepared for my first listen to Accident of Birth, but those first notes on Freak immediately made my hair stand on end. Clearly, something massive was about to hit my ears, and it did. At the end of that first listen, I was awestruck. Everything about it was perfect. Roy, Bruce, Adrian, Eddie, and Dave had combined their incredible talents to make an album that blew away anything since 1988, which was Seventh Son, and maybe even went beyond it. That's up to each listener. I know that accident of birth and chemical wedding are both in my top 10 albums, top 10 all time for metal albums. They are gold standard for me. Uh, next up, we had a couple of tweet quotes about the story of us, Billy and Sarah's version, uh, Dave in the USA. And he said, please retweet Taylor Swift. Uh, and he wrote uncle, Steve and Kirsty are very family focused people. Listen to their teenage daughters, Sarah and Billy, discuss Taylor Swift. It's a fun listen. They struggle with rankings just like we do. Please retweet. It's for the kids. Please retweet. And then he said, continued. Um, You don't need to like Taylor Swift to enjoy this episode. Sarah and Billy put themselves out there, having never hosted a podcast before, and they each do a great job. Listen to them gradually fall into saying similar things that we all do when ranking albums. Uh, let's see. Up next, we had the Waffle Zone, and have the retweets for the Waffle Zone as follows: Lewis in Spain, Willie Valaverta in Finland, Ron Kramer in Washington State, Jesse the Delivery Guy, Gin Mariatani, and Kirsty, and. For the Waffle Zone quiet Trots, we have Gen Maritani, and he says, Let me defend my position. Senjutsu is one of their most progressive albums. Stratego and Days of Future Past are short and sweet, but I think those two songs are almost out of place. I eliminated The Pilgrim and Out of the Shadows for the same reason. Mm. Uh, Willie Willie said, the waffle is served. Nailed the hashtag the first time. Second one was way off. Lucas in Melbourne, Victoria, Australia said, Another excellent waffle that gets the Lucas Obsessive Setlist Spectacular Eldridge tick of approval. Uh, Dean King, the Dinosaur, the Dinosaur says, well, you both came back, and with a bang, I'll give you that. I'll address Steve in the main show retweet, but Kirsty, you get the crazy take prize. So let me get this straight. You say Killers is the only maiden masterpiece? Uh, which she didn't. I only asked her to name one. so uh, That means nothing that came after ever one, two... I'm sorry, ever surpassed Killers. You hold up Killers with Paul D'Anno as representing the very best Maiden ever accomplished. That's what a masterpiece is, by the way. It's not what my favorite, but what represents the best the band ever accomplished. So now you're saying that's the best, whatever the best a band ever accomplish is what a masterpiece is. Then Peace of Mind is absolutely, positively not a masterpiece. Gang vocals <laughs> Let's see, next up we have Ballad, and he said the issue with Darkest Hour was Gammon Anthem Tories UK Conservative Party cosplaying channeling a cartoon version of Churchill. The worst what the worst the politician, the harder the channeling, see Boris Johnson. The song has the same vainglorious vibe about it. Has kind of got me a little lost there, but that's okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, Rolla said, I have spent <clears throat> all weekend perfecting my bourbon, syrup, in anticipation for this week's Waffle Zone. It took two gallons of R&R, but well worth it. The Waffle Zone is always a fun listen. Thank you, Rocka. And lastly, my take, what I said was, one of the hottest takes I've ever given off the cuff shows up in this episode. Kirsty Prince even tried to back out. It was so hot. So that's that. Now waffle on over and listen to a very bizarre uh, half of an album episode. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>